Greetings, dear listeners, and welcome to Reformed Meditations. I'm Lee, and I'm here with a very special guest, the man, the myth, the legend behind Shepherd's Cast, and I'm going to let him introduce himself. Hey, uh, you can actually just call me Josh. I'm I'm all about that, getting to know one another thing. Um, I, I do hide behind my page quite a bit, but only whenever I am caging out on someone. Um, so, yeah, so hi. <laughs> So you are a, a purveyor of fine memes, in in my yes. opinion. Maybe Absolutely. not in your own opinion, but mm, you're one we'll of the see. Exile House of Meme Lords uh, creators. Yeah, more of a cheerleader, but I I do enjoy I do enjoy cheering on my my fellow memers. You are good at the cheering. I will give you that. So so before we jump into anything, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, about your story, your maybe your testimony, a bit of that, how you got into Reformed theology and into Reformed memeing. Sure. So I actually wrote this stuff down so I didn't screw it up here. Um, I uh, actually started out as a consumer Christian from probably age 12 until 20, 28, maybe. Um, I was following the whole Sunday feeding schedule. I'd show up to church on Sunday, um, not listen and play on my phone and fall asleep and then go home. Uh, but I was in a small group that, that took place every Tuesday night. And uh, the people we were with, um, we considered them friends, I guess you could say. But they didn't really do small group. Like we didn't learn anything. It was just to get together. Let's ask how your Bible reading was and then we'll go home. Um, and it didn't really progress like a small group should. So um, in an effort to prove how much better of a Christian I was, <laughs> I uh, was listening to my Bible on my way to work back and forth. Um, and of course I get to Romans and that's whenever I really start paying attention. And uh, probably about Romans three um, mm -hmm. on my way to work one day, really early in the morning, I had to pull over um, suddenly regenerated. It was instant. Uh, everything that I was and who I was pretending to be all in an instant hit me. And uh, then of course, you know, the choosing came right after that. It, there was no other choice in my opinion. Um, it was Jesus or, you know, nothing else. Um, but my, uh, my initial trip was not in reformed theology. As a matter of fact, if you uh, ever take the time to go on a shepherd's cast and scroll all the way back to the beginning, um, you might find some terrible theology, uh, some <laughs> ridiculous stuff, just kind of made it up as I go. But I read things and thought, hey, the world needs to see this. So for my five followers, I would share it. Um, and uh, it wasn't until I was trying to actually do some theology, uh, I read this book called The Five Points of Calvinism by David Steele and Curtis Thomas. Um, it's just like a hundred page book, maybe. Uh, but it, um, as I was reading it, I realized, wow, I actually agree with this stuff. I was reading it because I wanted to prove these pompous folks wrong. <laughs> um, I was in a bunch of these groups uh, on Facebook where I could share my my post, because of course only five followers wasn't doing me so great. So, uh, and these Calvinists would jump on there and they would tear me to pieces. And I'd be like, you know what, I'm going to read this and prove these guys how terribly wrong they are. And suddenly I'm reformed um, and <laughs> listening to RC and uh, MacArthur, not very much MacArthur anymore. It seems like after you realize dispensationalism is garbage, you jump from his ship pretty quick. Um, but yeah, so that is my uh, that's my life as far as testimony goes. That's fantastic. So uh, you know, it's funny because that that story of you know the the Calvinists are mean, so I'm going to read their stuff and tell them how wrong they are, and then you become one yourself. I mean, it that's not a pages. that's not a new story yet. Is that all it took? Two hundred pages? No, a hundred pages took oh, less than that. Pages. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm trying to think because you're making me think back to to mine as well, um, because I had stumbled on my my uh, plunge into reform theology uh, had a lot to do with RC as well. That's why sometimes on my I'm like rabid on Twitter. I love Twitter. Mm. And uh, sometimes I'll just occasionally see an RC thing on there and and say, you know, I miss RC or hashtag I miss RC, which is you know, anytime you can use a hashtag, the better. But uh, mm. 
so so hugely important to to my development uh, uh, as as a reformed person. Um, hugely important. Uh, so I, I always love hearing people who say, you know, RC either listening to RC or reading RC at the beginning really kind of pushed me in this direction. Obviously, he didn't push me far enough in his own direction because I'm a 1689 Baptist. So absolutely. <laughs> I just reformed further than <laughs> exactly. I didn't, I didn't stop it. You know, baptizing babies. I fixed that just while keep, I was at keep it going, just keep going, continue to affirm against the papacy. Exactly. <laughs> so, so were you, so were you into memes? You obviously were into memes before you got, you know, into theology, right? Cause you were, you were memeing before you became reformed. So uh, how did actually, how, no. Um, oh. Whenever I first, uh, I guess, started studying theology, I realized my audience needs to be bigger. It's funny how, um, <laughs> you know, Calvinists, most people will see them and think, you know, they don't want to evangelize whatsoever. But my thought process was um, I need to evangelize more. My audience needs to be bigger. And if I share memes, maybe some secular person will be like, ha, that's funny. Let's go check this out. And then read my little devotional things that I used to do um, as well. And then boom, what do you know? It's another, uh, another tick um, in the saved category. But uh, that, that was my, my jump into theology was with memes. And then um, I actually got picked up by exiles randomly by a misspelled Calvinist, uh, just mm. out of the blue, he messaged me and said, hey, you think you want to join a memes group? I had no, no idea who he was. I was like, why not? Um, and suddenly I'm in a group with like five other people. And I think Cage Free Calvinist was the, they joined at the same time that I did. Um, so it was just a big, it was a big thing, a big life-changing thing, actually. It's good having a core group of people around you. They, we don't just talk about memes and stuff in there. It's good stuff. No, that's for sure. It's definitely not always about memes. Uh, and I know I've been real fortunate to have been welcomed into that group as the token non-memer in the room. Uh, but I, I enjoy the memes a lot. But uh, you're right. That That is a cool, um, a really cool group of people. Um, you guys are great, have great senses of humor and a lot of knowledge of good theology and, and passion for uh for hearing it taught properly and, and seeing people come to faith in Christ. So I, I know I've really enjoyed getting to know all you guys that way too. So that's a good group. And I do think it, it is kind of redeeming the time a little bit. You know, I could, I could go and doom scroll on Facebook or I could also op open that group and, and chat with people about theology or ask a question and, or get some opinions. It, that kind of stuff does kind of improve at least my use of Facebook. I don't know about you, but. Yeah, I have an unhealthy addiction to Facebook. So usually when I'm <laughs> fighting it, I'll just open up Messenger and delete Facebook and I'll always redownload it later. But that's the healthy version of Facebook for me as well. Is that the 21st century version of, of cutting off your right hand <laughs> if it costs you sin? <laughs> yeah, but unfortunately I can resew this one back on way too easy. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're like a lizard. It, it keeps growing back. <laughs> yeah, I got to figure that out. <laughs> if I'm not on it on my phone, it's up on. I'm on it right now. I'm not even going to sit here and lie to you. <laughs> Man. It's up in the background. If I get a notification, I'm right there like a dog. This thing has me on a chain. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to hear all these pings in the background of this audio. I'm going to have to work real hard to get those out. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I got the headphones on. <laughs> You've done all the preparations. Yes. Well, you had a you had a, a a good idea of a of a cool topic to talk about, and so that's that's partially why we're talking tonight. You want to present a little bit what you were what you were thinking? Sure. So um, the biggest thing that I'm seeing in my own you know walk with Christ at the moment is um, when to approach something with righteous anger versus when to approach someone with grace because it's uh, an ignorance thing. Um, and to dive into that a little bit deeper, say you come up on someone like uh, flowers. Let's just go broad here. Mm -hmm. uh, you come up on flowers. Now, now he 
hates Calvinists. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he yeah. uh, he'll debate them. He'll talk about how dumb they are and about how, uh, how the, uncaring and cold they are. Exactly. Rule. And at what point, you know, do we draw the line on him as far as coming out to someone who maybe just went to church and their pastor never spoke of the other side? Or maybe they just have never heard of it and they're sitting there and they're arguing the same case. Um, and, and likewise, you know, you'll see people comment on Facebook and they'll be like, you know, these Calvinists are crazy. But I was the same way until um, I actually broke down and was like, I'm going to prove these Calvinists wrong. Um, so in where do we draw the line between graceful um, a, a graceful approach versus a this guy is just a blasphemer? Yeah. I think flowers is a good case for that too, because um, not only in, is he rabidly anti-Calvinist, not only anti-Calvinism, but anti-Calvinist as well, the actual people that hold to that theological position, mm-hmm. but his own theological position is, you know, to, to use kind of a trendy word, but problematic. It's incredibly problematic um, on multiple levels. Um, provisionism is, is kind of what that, the label that that goes under, uh, which is which is practically open theism, right? With a little gloss on it. Mm-hmm. At least that's the way. At least that's the way some of the people who call themselves provisionists talk. I think Flowers is a little more careful than than to show it out like that, but mm-hmm. it definitely seems to be that way. Where um, mankind is so um, so free, right? So free and so morally powerful that god is sort of moving to catch up with them almost and they would say that's a reductive comment and it probably is but disingenuous yeah (laughs) right but it's also a view that's really really new Mm -hmm. right? Uh, right i didn't hear about this well let's see so i started i started reforming in 2011 and I never heard anything like this back then when I was kind of really starting to dive into different theological positions than the one that I grew up in. Mm-hmm. I think it's, I think it's pretty new. It's all just different flavors of Pelagianism. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Cause there, uh, who is it that said, you know, there are no new heresies. They're just dressing up old heresies. I think maybe Vody Bauckham said that. That sounds about something like something he would say. (laughs) I definitely agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's only so many ways you can, (laughs) you can get this stuff wrong. Um, But yeah, I think we're good at putting fresh spins on, on old false teachings. Um, uh, Let me, I'll throw this out here and we'll see what you think when it comes to approaching these kinds of things with grace versus kind of calling somebody out on being a blasphemer. I think part of that has to do with the intent of of what that person is saying to kind of clap back at Calvinists, for instance, since we're since we're speaking in that vein, you know, because there are there are a lot of straw men out there against reformed theology. And I think there especially there's a lot of straw men out there against uh, particular Baptists, especially from a lot of different areas, whether we're talking from Arminians or even from just the academy, like the church history academy, um, and and that's kind of that's kind of going on a rabbit trail. But you know, trying to trying to tie particular Baptists to the Anabaptist movement, right? That drives me nuts. And I know there's people that know that that's not true. It's even in the confession, right? It's it, mm-hmm. it's in the introduction of the confession, but it persists because it serves it serves a need. Okay, but anyway, back back to back to that point. I think if you've got somebody who's intending to um who's who's intending to push buttons on the people that they dislike and try to kind of get their goat so to speak and get them to lash out and and return fire um i think that maybe grace doesn't quite get through to that person you have to kind of you have to kind of let the teeth out a little bit without being cruel in return right yeah, seen... and go ahead, go ahead. My uh, my initial um, 
the reason why I really started thinking about this was, wasn't even necessarily on the Calvinist Armenian argument. It was uh, actually against a, uh, a Catholic person, um, which I've always I've always known what they believed. I think there's a difference, however, in knowing something versus coming into contact with it. Um, mm-hmm. Like I know what they do in the Middle East um, sometimes. And, and if I ever come into contact with it, it'd be completely different. Uh, but on a less broad scale, I, I know that a Catholic person, may, it may be disingenuous to say it like this, but um, they hold their sacred tradition over the Bible. And I know that I'm not, I mean, mm-hmm. anyone who knows Catholic theology would know that. Uh, but to have someone quote, dude, I made, we made the Bible. So we're going, we're over it. <laughs> that's a whole nother ball game. Um, we uh, made was, the Bible. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I couldn't, I couldn't think of all thoughts, all, all intellectual thoughts went out of my head. And I was like, this, 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 Ooh, this guy just blasphemed. <laughs> I'm losing my mind here. Um, and, and they even quoted it from their website. Like they went on there and they said, I'll link you to it since you don't seem to understand it. And it just kept going. I was like, you were digging into my, I've got to let you go. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, but that's, that's where this thought really came through. Like this person at, at this point in time, they have made it where the line is clear. They are now blaspheming and they know it or, or they're refusing to see it because you've shown it to them. And, uh, you know, I think that obviously prayer will come in there. Um, we should still pray for that person. Mm-hmm. Um, but it would, uh, I, the, the grace was gone for me at that point. <laughs> <clears throat> Well, and you're right, and it, it's easy in that kind of moment to to lean on um, knowledge, right? Like, I know that you're wrong, and I have all these things that can prove to you that you're wrong, but you won't listen, even if I do post them, or you'll call me mean or a uh, or a know-it-all for having proven exactly. it to you. And so you don't want to feed into that, right? Mm-hmm. But you also don't want to that's the two edged sword because you know, you may feel in that moment, if I, if I don't present this to this person, I have not done my part to evangelize him or her. Right. Exactly. And that would be, I mean, that, that would be, that's a hard line to walk. And I think yeah. it's especially difficult with the Roman Catholics too, because you know, they're, they're so schismatic. They consider those of us who are outside to, to be damned you know we're we're headed for hell because we're not part of the one true church even though we could examine their worship against the biblical record and find very little if at anything very much that matches the worship of the worship in in uh, acts or really even compared to early church records uh, mm-hmm. a- after the apostles and so you know i it baffles me as a Protestant that they can believe those things. And yet the, the more, the more well-trained a Roman Catholic is, it does seem like the further from the truth they get. Exactly. And, and I always like coming upon, cause I, I approach these, this person on a, on a, a chosen post. So my assumption Oof. was they're not going to know their theology. And it was definitely an assumption I went in there with because most of the most of the, and I, and I know I'm making kind of a broad statement here. A lot of the people who watch the chosen are probably not very theologically in tuned with what they believe. Um, now they may know they they may know the generality of you know Jesus Christ died for my sins, but for the most part, they're they're not going to know what their church theologically believes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I approached this because it was uh, they were endorsing a Catholic church. They posted a picture of a Catholic church sign with the chosen is going to be at this place, and then there was a whole bunch of endorsements within the post as well. So I jumped on there really just to read it first. And uh, one of our Protestant brothers was on there getting getting his butt chewed out by a Catholic person. So I was like, Ooh, I'm going to jump in on this and fix it real quick. Um, and it turned into like a 60 comment battle between me and a couple of other people. The first few people, uh, that were in the post were definitely, uh, not theologically there. Um, and they, they bowed out of the conversation quite quickly just because I was able to prove some things, but the, the one person who really caught my, caught my edge there, um, they jumped in and just went back and forth. And finally, with smiley faces and hearts, they said, I'm sorry, you just don't understand. And I was like, oh, God, I've got to quit. That's it. I don't understand. You have a great day. <laughs> and that is that is usually the response, isn't it? Like, oh, 
you don't you don't understand where I'm coming from. That's you know, my response well, usually. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> well, you know, it, it is it is kind of funny because I mean, it it well, it's easy to make that uh, to, to give that as an answer, because there are a lot of finer points of reformed theology that the average um, the average Christian doesn't know unless they are reformed. And, and I know there are intricacies to, to Roman Catholicism that you wouldn't know if you weren't Roman Catholic, but you can't, you can't say that you don't understand a theological tradition simply because you haven't been a member of it for 30 years, right? You can study the texts. We could go read text of the Council of Trent, and every Catholic who knows that they're a Roman Catholic will affirm that, right? Because it's a, a council of the church. And the doctrine that's laid out in it is doctrine that they would teach in catechism class. Okay, so that's that's perfect. That's fine. Um, but don't don't you don't have to tell me that I don't understand what I'm talking about when I could go to texts that you claim are authoritative to your tradition and disagree with them from scripture. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I just think it's a it's a cheap cop out. And and I and I'll say too, there are Calvinists that I think incorrectly use that that kind of rebuttal as well would you go go read bovink's dogmatics and come back to me (laughs) (laughs) why would they read that they don't agree with it anyway yeah (laughs) yeah so so you know i i like and i and i do less keyboard warrioring warrioring than i did in the past but in those moments i like to I, i want to be able to know what i believe succinctly enough that I could put it in a comment and whether the person disagrees or not, that that statement is going to stick in their head and they're going to do kind of what you did, right. In order to become reformed, like, Oh, here's this clear statement from this person that stating what, what he believes. I disagree with that right now. Yeah. I'm going to go try to disprove it and go find the records either from scripture or if it's quoting from a historical confession, like the Westminster confession or the, second London, um, then go check out the, the text and, and see for yourself whether it bears out uh, according mm-hmm. to scripture or not. So, so you know, I don't, I don't think that you have to understand every nuance of Roman Catholic doctrine in order to have a fundamental disagreement with what they believe, either about the canon or about justification or sanctification, or, or you could take your, or the Lord's Supper, you could take your pick. <laughs> I definitely know what you mean there. Um, yeah, and I would agree with that. And it's usually that's why we typically focus on the justification aspect. If you can, if you have a problem with the justification and, and salvific uh, doctrine that they've got, then that just, in my opinion, it crumbles the whole thing. Just like Luther said, you know, that's why our our faith hinges on uh, justification by faith alone. Yeah, what is it? What do you call it? The doctrine on which the church stands or falls. Exactly. Yeah. Luther is the best. <laughs> oh yeah, man. I, I actually, I have his uh, prayer printed out the one before he went to the diet of Vorps. Oh, um, and I, I have that on one. It's my favorite. I, I leave it on my wall and I'll check it out every now and then, but yeah. I, there's no better goosebumps every time I read it. <laughs> that was another, that was another RC influence because I've never, I've never heard of a Presbyterian who loved Luther quite as much as RC Sproul. <laughs> Yeah, and I, I remember in those early days listening to Renewing Your Mind, and it seemed like every other episode he'd be quoting Luther in some way or another. Even though, obviously, like as a Presbyterian, he would have so many disagreements with, especially what Lutherans would teach, right? Maybe not necessarily Luther himself, although he still he still had some some odd beliefs. But mm. the the and, and I think and I I didn't have a word for it back then, you know, because I was I was you know a run of the mill evangelical. But but Catholicity with a small C, like understanding that we are in we are in a universal church and we might not agree on everything, but when we agree on the essentials, you know, salvation by grace through faith in Christ alone, according to scripture alone, to God's glory alone, we can learn a lot from those people, even if we have a fundamental, not a fundamental disagreement, but we have disagreements on important issues that don't affect that core of doctrine. So to have, to, to have a, a, a young Baptist learning about and from Martin Luther 
through a Presbyterian pastor and teacher, I, I, there's something beautiful about that, that, that I love. Yes. You're not kidding. That changed. And it probably helped me come to a more mature understanding of things much faster than if I had just been on my own reading things and, and studying books. For instance, I'm, I'm in a book right now that if, uh, if I had started with this fellow, um, I would hate Armenians. This guy <laughs> has bile towards Armenians. Uh, every, every page he, he proves a Calvinistic thing. And then at the end of this proof that he's created, he's like, and these Armenians think, and I'm like, oh, here we go. <laughs> Half the book is him hating on Armenians. That's okay. But I, I'm glad I started with RC, um, because I, I would definitely not be, and I still try and make it a point at least every Thursday, I listen to renewing your mind. But at, whenever I was going to work every single day, an hour drive, I would listen to my Bible study on the way there, which I don't do that now. I look more towards reading it on paper, something finer about having it in front of you. And uh, I would listen to Renewing Your Mind every single day religiously. Literally. Yeah. Literally religiously. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> it's it's still on top of my uh, Spotify. If I had to go to it right now, I guarantee you it'd be one of the top listened things. <laughs> Yeah, it's funny. So, you know, this is kind of off, top, off topic, but it, it's a, a fun story. I was kind of an early adopter when it came to podcasts. So mm -hmm. I've been listening to podcasts since uh, 20, uh, oh no, 2007. And so at that time, they were just basically repackaged public radio shows that were being put out on, on the internet. Hmm. It, so uh, when I went to college uh, and was and kind of looking into reformed theology in, in 2011, you know, there wasn't that much on the, on the podcast feeds. So I would go to the Christianity section. And even back then, you know, there, you still had the Joel Osteen stuff who I already knew I didn't like, you know, or, or some of the other teachers, quote unquote teachers. Um, and then the, there was the show called renewing your mind. That was actually in like the top 10 listing of Christian podcasts, and it was only because there were just, there were so few podcasts in general. Right. So mm -hmm. I tap on it and I'm like, what, what the world is Ligonier ministry? What does Ligonier mean? <laughs> you know? And then, and then boom, here we are now, you know, 10 years on. Uh, yeah. Yeah. My wife tells me um, that she used to listen to uh, 106.9 here, which is the light. I don't know if it's, you know, what it's called elsewhere, hmm. but um, if I could, find what they're called but anyway it's just a really popular christian station and uh, it has been for a long time in my area specifically mm -hmm. um and uh she said that whenever she would listen to that for a while renewing your mind used to be the main thing that they played um, but of course since you know it's been five years almost since that happened now they're doing you know john hagee and stuff like that mm -hmm. the typical things that you'd hear on a radio station um but it is interesting to hear those things because she's like, oh, I've heard this one before. I'm like, what, when? She's like, oh, I heard it like five years ago. And I'm like, wow. Okay. Well, that's awesome. I really wish they still did that. They, they had some hope and now it's gone. Well, yeah. We're back to John MacArthur too. Like how huge the grace to you radio ministry has been. I never, I never ever heard John MacArthur on the radio. <laughs> like I, I only heard him again, like on the internet you know, YouTube videos of, of the sermons, never heard them on radio because the radio stations had moved on from that. At least the ones in my area had, had moved on from that kind of stuff long before I started listening to the radio. And I, and I think that's, that's uh, again, one of the cool things about where Christianity and the internet merge, you know, because we're, we're able to, with all these in, you know, how much we complain about the social networks, for instance, it is so easy to get on there and talk with someone about theology or more importantly about Christ in a very just, you know, common way, like not a stilted um, or, or even uh, abrasive way. Like it can just, it can just happen. You know, we mm -hmm. share a meme from a page like yours on a, on our personal page and a conversation develops. Like it's that easy. It, it sometimes it feels like it's easier to have those conversations. It's easier, easier to strike them up online than even in real life. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't know what, I don't know how to make sense of that. How is that possible? 
Yeah. So that's, I actually struggle uh, so much with doing it in person. It's funny. Um, it's it's fu- kind of funny to me, I guess, because everyone around me, including people that I work with, um, when I go into the office, they call on me if they're going to do a prayer for some something or um, something like that. And just out of the blue, that's whenever they were like, whenever I changed, it's like everyone else knew. They were like, oh, this is the guy we go to for this stuff now. And uh, but I've always struggled with actually talking about it. And uh, that's where. I think having discipleship in person really helps out. Um, but as far as it being easier online, I find that so much easier just because I'm such an introvert. I can hide behind my page. Um, <laughs> I will comment on someone's someone's post as me by accident, and then it'll be a problem. But as far as my page goes, I definitely know what you're talking about. I can hide behind that all day long um, and strike up fruitful conversations. As a matter of fact, um, that's how one of our group members, uh, came, came into it, um, was he messaged me over one of our memes. Um, and I was able to have a back and forth conversation with him about reformed theology. And then eventually whenever he came to embrace it fully, um, uh, our group was looking for more members, uh, before we ended up having, before we had more members than we've got now, uh, we've got like what, 10, 15 or something like that. Yeah, something like um, that. While it was still the core group, we were able to get him in there. It was Alex Alexander. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, I, I definitely asked him how to say his name before I jumped on here, just to make sure I wasn't going to screw. I mean, it's very clear how to say it, but I wanted. Hey, you man, just always want to double check. Exactly. Let, don't let me get on here and say your name ridiculously. <laughs> so, so really, you met him through him just cold messaging you over a meme. Yeah, uh, wow. I can't even remember what meme it was, but he just messaged um, Shepherd's Cast one day asking about Reformed theology. Uh, I can't remember specifically what it was, but I explained it to him. And then uh, we, were, we went back and forth a couple of times and then, boom, there he is. He's on the scene as well. It was, it was quite nice to see. It's amazing. Yeah. It really is. that like the, So, you know, there's so many opportunities out there online. And, you know, if we, you know, we all know that there's downsides to social media. I think we've all felt them. We've already talked about them a little bit here, but you can't, you can't discount the fact that there are really fruitful opportunities to have good interactions regarding the gospel to be had online. Um, and, I, and I think, again, like redeeming the time on Facebook or, or Twitter or whatever, memeing the Reformation it's pretty fruitful. <laughs> yeah, that was great. I definitely enjoyed that. Um, I hope we do that every year. That was great. That's fantastic. <clears throat> and it's it's fun to see um, not not only people decide not not necessarily decide but embrace the reformed aspect um, of where we're coming from, but to see it themselves without us, and then they come to us and be like, "Hey, I think I'm seeing something that I didn't see before." that's it's awesome to be able to help that's that's probably what keeps me going as far as the facebook page goes um i've definitely died off of doing the devotional things that i was doing before but i want to dive back into that just because that's fruitful for me teaching things is fruitful for me and i don't know if i'll ever do it in person but i sure would love to figure out how i would talk in front of people that would be great yeah, that was one of the things i loved about podcasting too was was the same thing you know if it we could get Bible studies, uh, especially from a layman's perspective, out there to people who may who may have never attended a Bible study up to that point, and to think of uh, potentially being able to to be used by God in a way to bring people to the knowledge of the truth simply by putting putting our horrible voices on the internet on the internet for people to hear. <laughs> you know, if if a donkey could talk, you know, in the Old Testament, then he can use you know, foghorn voiced people, uh, to, yeah, to speak that, the truth on the internet. Never thought of that. <laughs> Never thought of that. So, but yeah, I think in, in being able to, to use God given creativity with a passion for the gospel and to, to equip people with sound doctrine, um, and then to leverage, you know, the, the, the free use of the internet to disseminate it. It, it reminds me a lot of, um, kind of how, the Reformation took off in the 16th century 
partly having to do with technological advancement. You know, the printing press was huge to, to the Reformation spreading through Europe, right? Yeah, 100 years earlier, Luther would have died. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I, you know, I, I, I see a lot of parallels between, between what happened there in Europe and, and what happens uh, in the Reformed world now with, you know, the, the, the internet kind of being like the, the printing press times 10, <laughs> you know, because you, you can look at metrics of podcasts or, or meme pages and, and see that, you know, there's, there could be people on three different continents reading, reading a, 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 an article or, or seeing a meme, interacting with a meme, listening to a podcast. And it's just, you know, unfathomable, you know, to the human mind mm-hmm. that you could do something right here in, you know, Podunkburg, uh, America, that could actually reach an audience, you know, it, in Paris, France, you know, or, or the, the jungles of South America or wherever. It, it really is mind boggling. The, the possibilities that there are. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I checked my metrics a while back. I think I was in at least five countries with, I had two or three people in Uganda, which was wow, quite awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I just really hope they're getting things besides my angry cage stage memes. That would be great. <laughs> as long as they're getting some actual gospel memes, that would, I hope that fits into their schedule. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it would be good. It, it would be good if, if you know, there were reformed churches all over these these kinds of places that these these people would see this, you know, see this content, something spark, a thought spark in their mind, and then they can actually seek a uh, a reformed pastor in their area to ask some questions to, and either be- believe the gospel in the first place, or or come to embrace reformed theology. Um, that'd be amazing. Yep. And we need, we need a better system for finding reformed pastors out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can tell you when it, when I first embraced this theology, the first thing I did was Google churches in the area for that followed reformed theology. None. I messaged one and uh, I got a message back within a couple of days saying we've shut down. We don't, we just no one. And I was Whoa. like, okay, yeah. Um, and then I messaged another and uh, didn't hear back for like two months um, but he messaged me back and he said, we're not like really a church. We'll meet in my house every now and then, but I'm usually helping with heart cry ministries. And I was like, get out of here. Oh, wow. Um, but I've been in contact with him for a while and he's been trying to figure out if he's going to plant a church in my area for, I don't know how long, but, uh, even moving to a bigger city. Cause I just recently moved, um, there there's two, two offhand, uh, reformed churches and it's a massive area. Mm-hmm. Um, and one is an us for no more kind of church. And the other one um, is right down the road. Very theologically sound, very large. Um, and we, we thought about going there too. Uh, but as of right now, we definitely feel called to go where we're at. Um, we're called to start. I've spoken to you about it before, mm-hmm. the, the church plant. And we, we've actually sat down with uh, him a few, a few more times since then to kind of hammer some things out. I just because he is also scared. He's like, I don't know. I don't want to screw up. I don't want to mess everyone up. So we're all doing research mm-hmm. and uh, figuring out where things are going to go. But we've got at least a congregation of 35 that are coming from the other church. I'm glad that uh, it providentially worked out this way that we, we decided to move up here first. And then we found out he was coming. And then it was like, uh, I, I definitely did the, the old style Baptist thing where I prayed, God, I need you to show me what to do. And I opened my Bible and I pointed to a random verse and there it was in Luke. He said, I am sending you out two by two. And I'm like, all right, guess I'm going. <laughs> no way. Really? Yeah, absolutely. I was like, you couldn't have been more providential. Thank you so much. <laughs> Questioned it the whole way, but I can't question it. Every time I hit, read that story, I'm like, man, that's, that's it. That's one of the one, uh, one of the few times that it's actually worked out you and saint augustine went in in his conversion something similar was happened with him too you know that story yeah yeah he was with the kids were out there singing pick me up and read or something like that yeah take up and read yeah uh, whatever weird song that they'd be singing 
And then he like goes to, there's like a place where like a Bible is like chained to a post or whatever. Cause you couldn't mm-hmm. have a, you couldn't take a copy home. And he just like put his finger down in the right place. And it called out his whole sin of licentiousness. And, and he believed. It was in Romans as well, wasn't it? I think it was in Romans. Yeah. Something yeah. about speaking to the Gentiles. Paul does it so well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He, he knows how to get to people like you and St. Augustine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I didn't have St. Augustine's problems, though. My, my sin was elsewhere. Yeah, he, had, he had plenty of pretty unique problems that I'm not envious of in any way. Yeah, I think uh, I read something about him a while back that, that said that he was always on the cusp of conversion, but he just couldn't leave the women alone. <laughs> Flair. You know, the, the, there's there's people out there, and this is this is a group of people that annoys me too. A group of people that want to kind of cut him out or or cut off Reformed theology because Saint Augustine is so important to some of the foundational uh, laying out some of the foundational doctrines, right? But they want to cut him out of it because of his um, his his previous uh, investigations into uh, Gnostic cults and. Um, platonic theory and all that kind of stuff saying that he's importing this cultic stuff into into christianity um which which is uh, obviously like doesn't make sense (laughs) why why they would do that and uh but but it's another that that's another fight within christianity that that really annoys me like you you read the guy (laughs) just you know just read the guy yeah, it, it does. I mean, if you are a Christian, then you definitely claim that you were something new. You mm-hmm. are a new creation in Christ, and then you're going to hold this guy to his past? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not be hypocritical or anything. <laughs> yeah. We're too good at that. Yeah. We're, we're really good at the whole hypocritical thing. We use our free will so <laughs> graciously. <laughs> yep, free to be mean. <laughs> it's not mean if it's in a tag group on facebook exactly yeah yeah you put just just say you don't understand reformed theology and move on okay <laughs> <laughs> well i have i have a an off the wall question for you and uh I, I have to ask are you are you drinking straight earl gray tea tonight no, nope. I have to be honest. Um, it is uh, got cream in it, and it's cinnamon Earl Grey. It's this Whoa. stuff we picked up from Barnes and Noble. They had it, and I have a sore throat, so I thought, you know, let's try some cinnamon. And it's got cream in it, and everything. It's you'd be proud. It looks proper. Yeah, for for the listener's sake, I I have I have mercilessly mocked you for your your bad caffeine opinions. Uh, <laughs> relatively constantly for a while to the point where you openly and i would dare say proudly said that you drink earl gray tea black black Black. as black as the tea will be i just don't understand i don't know with one one tea bag or two also often it would just be with one now it depends it depends really on the type of tea because if you can get some Earl Grey that's not very, very great on the bergamot. Mm-hmm. I'll use two. Okay. But if it's got plenty of bergamot in it, then I'll only do the one. But as yeah, you, you see in this one, there's two. Yeah, there, there's two there. Yeah, you've got to have that bite. Like that's the that's the signature, right, of of Earl Grey tea. Bergamot. Yeah, you can't can't not have the bergamot. So good. So good. Yeah, and I and I, I'm gonna to try to forgive you for the uh the Keurig coffee drinking as well. Yeah, I don't I actually don't do that anymore. We rent, they're so expensive. We use like Nespresso or whatever. They're ridiculous. So, uh, it's like a buck 25 a cup. So we've got to do um, French press at the moment. Cool. Uh, and that's okay. I use death wish, you know, I don't, it's, <laughs> we, we ran out of the good stuff. So now I'm doing some death wish beans. I actually grind the beans though. If that makes that's you any better. Yeah. In a kitchen aid. <laughs> yeah it, people people in my personal life get really annoyed with me because i'm i'm always going on about the hipster coffee stuff whether it's you know the right kind of kettle to get 
or using a scale and measuring out your beans versus your water to according to a ratio. So I've driven, I'm like in the cage stage of coffee when it comes to that kind of stuff. And so everybody in my life really should hate me or at least begin to hate coffee because of how much I talk about it. And I feel like I've kind of transferred that into the, uh, to the meme Lord group. So I've, I've met one coffee connoisseur. It was that guy, um, the one that was running the small group actually, mm-hmm. um, we just we really didn't get along but he he would make coffee a specific way with a scale he'd temperature he'd make sure that the the water that came out was temperature controlled and he had this cup that had little spokes in the bottom and he said you need to spin the cup around and then drink it within 30 seconds or the it loses its flavor and i was like what like i will say it was amazing when you did it right but you didn't have any taste buds left (laughs) tasted phenomenal hot (laughs) piping hot wow see i i usually end up drinking my coffee like almost lukewarm sometimes because you the tastes come out better when it's not burning your entire mouth yeah there's a there's a certain temperature you got to have it or it's trash or too hot I don't, I won't be a jerk about it, but he's on to something there a little bit. Although I kind of want to look into whatever that mug is. Cause I've never heard of that. So like a, a mug that helps you. Oh, Ooh, wait. I, oh, it's Slytherin, right? Oh, you that, meant his mug, his mug okay. with, the, with the spokes in it or whatever. Yeah. It's a, it's a glass mug. Uh, it's not really like mug shaped. Hold on. I do have a mug that uh, maintains temperature. So it's got like a heating element in the bottom. So it I wanted one the- of those. Dude, it is so good. I just wish there was like a lid for it because it'll just like run itself out of battery trying to keep it warm, but all the warmth is rising out of the cup. Well, I, so I was supposed to get one from, uh, from work, but we moved and it got sent to the old house. Uh-oh. Yeah, that's okay. So the new it's, inhabitant got to enjoy a new mug. Sure did. And I'm not going down there. Either. <laughs> <laughs> Leaving that behind. But we, well, they, they came to our house to uh, give us the due diligence before we'd moved. It was the most awkward thing in the world because they were taking us for everything we were worth. And we were just so nice. <laughs> <laughs> that, but on closing day, the day before closing, they came up to us and said, Hey, um, we need $10,000 to fix something that they couldn't bring up any other time. And I was like, no, absolutely not. (laughs) Thank you so much. But no, what in the world? Yeah. I just said no to that too. (laughs) I'm going to send you what I think that, yeah, this is them. I'm going to send it to you uh, in the chat here. But those are the glasses, and they are $40 for two, it looks oh, like. Oh, Kruve. They make great stuff. Yep. Oh, I know exactly what you're talking about. I've been wanting a set of these, but they're so expensive. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they're worth it. The, if double you're a wall glass. Oh, it's so good. I know we're completely off topic, but these, <laughs> these things made an espresso that that I was gladly willing to sacrifice my taste buds for. <laughs> and probably a night of sleep too, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, I'm weird. I can, I can smash as much coffee as I want and go right to sleep. Man. I, I, I used to be like that. I, I, for some reason, I don't know why I can't do it anymore. Or, yeah. or I'll sleep through the night and then I'll wake up and feel like I never slept at all. It's so weird. Caffeine is a weird chemical, man. That it is. I think the uh, the Mormons might be onto something. <laughs> All right. Well, we better uh, we better go. <laughs> <laughs> I see where this is heading. <laughs> let's just let's just bash everyone while we're at it. <laughs> yeah, back to those cults. Uh, <laughs> well, I um, yeah, I, I appreciate uh, I appreciate you talking with me tonight, Josh. Um, this has been really good. Any any big uh, any big cl- kind of closing thoughts that um, that you'd want to leave people with on our uh, on our topic tonight? Any maybe uh, in- encouragements or challenges when it comes to 
d- debating online. <laughs> sure, sure. Never go full Shamala Hamala. <laughs> Stop at the first Shamala. That's a timely word, man. <laughs> it that's is. A ti- that's a timely word in this Rama season. And go follow systematic mnemology. Don't worry about misspelled Calvinist. <laughs> I second that. Misspelled Calvinist is, is hot garbage. Second rate. Second rate. He's, he, he follows Jory Micah. I don't know if you know who that is. <laughs> the, 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 the thing that misspelled Calvinist does best is creative placement for the watermark. That's it. <laughs> that's, that's the truth. It's the middle <laughs> finger typically, but if you can't find it on his meme, look for a middle finger somewhere. I will say it, it would be impossible to edit out for a thief, right? <laughs> that's got to give the man props for that. A- absolutely. <laughs> and, and there's typically a spelling mistake. Got to. It's part of the brand. <laughs> so, so, so tell the people where to find you at Shepherd's Cast. Well, you can find me on Facebook and Instagram uh, at sign Shepherd's Cast. No spaces. No spaces, no underscores, no dots. No, no dots, no the, nothing. The dots are so, um, the, the dots are like a, an Instagram thing. I don't know what the deal is with that, but it seems like everybody know. wants the dots between words on in Instagram handles. But I'm, I'm, so I'm glad you're going against the grain of the culture. Yep, yep. It, well, you can find my blog too, but that's a much longer website. Just go to my Facebook and you'll find it from there. The blog is very good. By the way, I, I update it like once every six months. So yeah. six months from now, you'll get a new, you'll get a new post. That means it's worth waiting for. <laughs> yeah. That's what it is. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> I sure hope so. I'll get more consistent as soon as I have someone holding me accountable. That's right. That's right. I'll get on that. <laughs> Sounds great. All right. Well, Josh, thank you so much for talking with me. It was great to have you on. And uh, thanks, Lee. I do appreciate it. Uh, anytime. Have me on. Fantastic. Maybe I will. Next time you go on vacation. That's right. (laughs) Next time I can get internet, I'll give you a call. (laughs) Have a...